0: But the vast majority of people in the world, by vast, I mean educated people, do not know the answer to this. When I say, what's the most populous country on the planet? Almost everybody knows that one. Well, that's China. Well, it's about to be India. Sometime in this year, it will be India. Well, what's the second most? Well, I just gave you that answer, it's India. And this is the one that people don't get. What's the third most populated country on the planet? I get a lot of blank stares. I get a lot of... hmm. Do you know?
1: I think it's Indonesia.
0: Nope. This is why it's so crazy. It is okay. like we have a massive blind spot. It's us. Once more unto the breach, dear friends.
1: Else fill the wall up with our English dead.
0: Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. And welcome to another exciting broadcast of The Personal Wealth Coach, where we will say such things as, uh... uh De- deem. Deem. Uh, deem. Fascinating. And, uh, and there may be other... Uh, going along. Uh, this is The Personal Wealth Coach. This is Jake McClure. Another Personal Wealth Coach, The Personal Wealth Coach, is...
1: Jeff McClure.
0: Together we, we are bald.
1: We did not get a chance to say our name together.
0: No, would you like to? I'm Jake we and you're... Try.
1: Jeff McClure. McClure.
0: We did it. See, I See, we just have to have our video conferencing going. Otherwise, it's near impossibility. Because the timing isn't the way we practice it for decades. There's a little lag in the in the phone line. <clears throat> so this is part of the pandemic and the change that it caused the whole system. I don't know why we would go back to the studio at this point ever.
1: Well, that's one of the things we want to talk, I want to talk about today is the fact that uh, waiting for things to get back to normal, you may be waiting a long
0: time. Or you may just look around and say, oh, this is normal. <laughs> so we got some disclosures to give before we start talking about fun things like what is normal and why we are not that. Most people that listen to our program know we're not normal, so that's fine. We we will never get back to normal because we've never been there. But uh, the first disclosure we will give before continuing, well, I guess that was the first disclosure. We are not normal. Second disclosure, uh, the Personal Wealth Coach is the name of this radio program, but it's also the name of an SEC-registered investment advisory firm. And the two people talking on the air, Jeff and Jake, are the principals at that firm. An SEC-registered investment advisor firm gives fiduciary investment advice. That's in the best interest of the client, and we can't do that on the air. We have to give educational information rather than advice because we don't know everybody out there. On top of that, just so now that we've said that we have a business associated with us, we're obligated to say that. We don't get paid to do this program. We also don't pay to do the program. Uh, We've been doing this You've been doing it since 96, right at the end of the year. 1996, that was another century, another millennium. And I've been doing it since 1998. Again, another century and another millennium. Uh, Although I did participate in a minor way in 96 and 97 by occasionally going with you to the studio and watching in mute horror as the microphone light turned on. Yeah, but that was that's uh those are my disclosures. Anyway, are you going to deem for us?
1: I might as well. The information we present on this educational radio program has been obtained from sources we deem to be reliable, but we make no warranty or guarantee as to the accuracy or completeness of said information.
0: You say that so well every time. You can you, we can obviously tell you take pride in not deeming things.
1: I do. I do. As a matter of fact, I will also say that the future is always uncertain. So any comments we make about the future are uncertain because we cannot. Nobody can tell you what's going to happen in the future. Or you could say it can. a little
0: bit differently. Predictions are always uncertain, especially about the future. Yeah, yeah. Yogi Berra, throw that in there because the future sort of is just like, not.
1: A sort of ro- that's close to ro- Yogi yeah, Berra. Not yeah, quite. Not
0: quite. The future is just not like what it used to be. Or that's also right. almost. So I put a like in there. The future is just not what it used to be. It's true. It's true. It's very very true. We can go on to the next question from our uh, most faithful and loyal inquisitor, John. Um, He's got an article from Forbes, which is a break with tradition. I'm not sure how I feel about this. Usually he takes a picture of the Wall Street Journal on his countertop and sends it to us. And now we've got a ripped out picture of Forbes, and it's being sent to us. Now, the first thing I'll say on that is Forbes is much more sensationalistic than the Wall Street Journal, except in the opinion pieces of the Wall Street Journal, just to lay that out in advance for everyone. And Forbes has made its uh, living. It's the majority of its sales come from making predictions or estimates on wealth how much people are worth. They are grossly inaccurate, as if you ask them, they will tell you. And if you ask anyone that's ever been rated by them, they will tell you. But it's still being posted, and so it's what they're known for. The article in question comes from a release uh, from the CEBR, Um. The CEBR is a British uh, think tank. It's, it's UK-based. I shouldn't say British. It's United Kingdom. Brit- those of you that don't know the difference, the British Isles include a whole bunch of islands west of Europe. And the biggest of those islands is called Great Britain. It includes Wales and Scotland and England. A lot of people think Great Britain is synonymous with the UK, but UK has things everywhere. Okay, so this think tank... It's the center, and you have to spell that in the UK manner, that is not not an E-R in center, it's an R-E in center, the Center for Economics and Business Research. Every few months, they come out with other predictions about the future, and every year they talk about their predictions for the GDP of countries into the future. And every year they make big big headlines and every year they revise their earlier predictions to something else. They don't maintain the same predictions year after year even though they're talking about the same point in the future. So that should tell you something right off. Their estimates are just that. Their estimates, and we've said it probably already in this program four times, uh, the, the future is uncertain. <laughs> so what we're talking about here the article in question let's get back to the question is the world economy is poised to reach uh, 100 trillion dollars in gross domestic product for the world in 2022 for the first time that's kind of a big deal 100 trillion dollars is not a small amount but i mean we're talking about it's, the it's entire a, it's planet it's a lot it's a bunch yeah. it's a bunch we, we call that a lot to, in technical terms, yeah. Um, or a bunch, um, a whole bunch. You're or sometimes, half bunch. sometimes we say things like ginormous. But these are very technical terms. We don't expect everyone to follow these. The prediction is that in 2030, China surpasses the United States in GDP. And um, the, the, the question here is with the current expansion and global chip manufacturing and the reparation of businesses back to U.S. soil, is this a realistic projection? And the answer to that is realistic has to have some wide, uh, you know, put, put the, the alley bumpers up on the bowling alley because realistic is based on assumptions of a bunch of stuff we don't know. There's a lot of things that could cause this to be different by years or by forever. Uh, if if China has a civil war, if there's so many things that could happen. A big meteor strike, there's a lot of crazy things that could go on, and some less crazy, some historically normal things could happen. But barring those things, it comes back to two really important things pieces of economic fact. This isn't theory. There's a lot of theory in economics. The fact is that the growth in your economy is based on two things. You can get supply and demand out of these two things. Demographics, that's how many people you have. If you have a growing population, if you have an educated population, if you have a shrinking population, if you're Uh, got a lot of disease. The second piece, besides demographics, is productivity. So if you have a lot of people that are very productive, you're going to have a very great economy. That seems, when stated that simply, people go, oh, yeah, that makes sense. China has 1.4 billion people that are becoming more educated than they were. There is a limit to that growth because at some point, at some point, they can't keep educating on top of the education. At some point, they hit a maturity level and it's a very incremental growth instead of this kind of exponential growth they've been seeing. Because if you take somebody out of a rice patty and you give them an education and make them manufacture computer chips, the growth from profitability of however much rice they could grow by hand, literally putting their hands in and picking and and planting, to running the machines that are manufacturing chips is just exponential is the only word for it. There's not a real comparison. But at some point, you either run out of demand for chips, because not everyone in the world can make chips, or you run out of people to educate. So it matures, they, they get to a point where they can't grow as fast. And if you look at our growth rate, um, it's pretty standard for the people in the United States of working age to be literate. Uh, in fact, it would be unusual in the extreme to have someone that was completely illiterate in the workforce in the United States that, that was born and raised in the United States. It happens, but it's pretty rare. And when you look at that from a demographic perspective, that makes our population more productive than a population that half of the workforce is illiterate. Because how do you train somebody on equipment? You have to literally be speak, literally get that point. Speaking to them about, I know it's a bad pun. I was probably groaning all over our listening audience just now. I'm sorry, I couldn't help it. It's just who I am. All right, so China has a becoming more educated and large demographic. And up to this point has had a lot of support from other powers in growing its education so that it could be more productive and build stuff for us. They had a great labor force.
1: There's an economics term again. Uh,
0: stuff? Right. Yes. We we A bunch of stuff. Yes. Those right. are, those, we have to be correct. very careful about using these technical terms. Right. Uh, we don't want to confuse anyone. Um, so China is getting close to that maturity point already, and you lay on top of it that it's not ever been that innovative. I should, I should rephrase that. It has never sustained innovation. This is something really cool. You know, the replaceable parts in a manufacturing line is uh, attributed to Eli Whitley in the United States. Whitney. Whitney. That's, that's what I said. Uh, Eli you Whitney. Said no, you said Whitley. No, Whitley. Eli Whitney. Okay, just in Good. case I didn't say it correctly. Eli Whitney. Except that in the era before current era, we used to call it BC, it's now BCE, the Chinese were doing that with crossbows. Crossbows in a time that bow craft was pretty normal now it didn't maintain it was kept in a secret organization it didn't spread across to everyone else it didn't change the world you you have well the to romans add? did it too the romans did it too yeah yeah
1: the and, romans did it a lot as a matter of fact
0: as as yeah just to make that extremely clear the reason why the width of our railroads the distance between the tracks in the united states is the width that it is, is based on the width of the axles of the Roman wagons. Chariots. And chariots. The wagons were made based on the size of the chariots, but they didn't use the chariots for very long. Right. And so they left grooves in all the roads of Europe, these big roads that were made by the Romans. And the first folks to start manufacturing steam engines that ran on rails used those grooves to put their rails in. So the fact that that's why they, because otherwise if you were moving them on the road, it would break their axles. So they had to get the cars from one place to another and it was easiest to put the rails in the existing grooves. So the United States rails are based on mass manufacturing by the Romans. Now, that's probably some supply sergeant somewhere making a decision. No, let's just get rid of all those ones that don't fit the right size. And, but it changed the shape of the roads, which changed for thousands of years. Anyway, so the Chinese have been innovative. Others have been innovative, but it's not been supported by the system. It hasn't been rewarded on the private side. It's been owned by the state. And that's where they are. So the, the next level of prediction, so they're t- saying at some point China will supersede. These words are, their, their GDP will be bigger than the United States at some point unless there's some big, big issue in China. And then it will get smaller again. And the reason is their population is shrinking faster than our population. And we have a more educated and a far more productive workforce I mean, once they reach parity with us, say they're at the same level of GDP as us, that means they have almost five people working as hard as they can to keep up with one of ours. And they're getting less innovative and less productive as we move manufacturing back. So it will be a temporary thing, most likely.
1: I actually don't think... And, and, and this is certainly not a certainty did you like it that it's is certainly not certainly certainty.
0: not certain certainly
1: not it's while it's possible that the Chinese GDP will exceed that of the United States I think it is unlikely and let me tell you why I think it's unlikely
0: well wait you're you're saying the opposite of me I say it's likely for a very temporary period and you're saying it's unlikely mm-hmm. so go ahead
1: I, I think I think they won't ever get there and a quick and dirty way of explaining that is if you go back to now this, they're saying basically by 2030, which is eight a, years away. Eight years away. But if you go back to the late 1990s or the mid 1990s, the same forecasts were being made about Japan that Japan's GDP would exceed that of the United States. Yep, and that
0: you you mentioned we this pre program the the Back to the we, Future. We'd
1: be, we'd be dominated and and go watch Back to the Future, the movie, the second was, one. Back to the future, too, and you will see that where they actually uh, go to the future by 2020, which is we've just been through a little while ago. By 2020, the Japanese would dominate the world and their GDP would be the largest in the world, and the United States would be subservient to Japan. Yep, which didn't work. And there's a lot of good economic reasons it didn't work, and there's a lot of good economic reasons, I believe that trying to forecast first f- forecasting what's going to happen eight years from now is uh, a little awkward to say the least. Uh, I don't know that that's that anybody can do that very well, but the Chinese have a socioeconomic system that has grown very rapidly during a period of time. They allowed a U.S. style chaos to reign in their system. Yeah. Basically unrestrained capitalism. Chairman Z is cracking down on that, and he's creating, in essence, his role to be that of the emperor in a top-down hierarchical system that um, anybody that's different gets their head lopped off. Uh, and, And that type of system doesn't make for maximum creativity or productivity or growth. It's been tried over and over again through history. The strength in the United States is also our what is perceived by the rest of the world as our weakness, which is that we are divided and chaotic. And we are divided and chaotic. We are 50 nation states bound together in one federal system with all 50 of the nation states, the states of the United States, doing their own thing in their own way and seeing how well it works. It's 50 separate laboratories, and we have as long as we can continue in our chaotic, uncomfortable, uncomfortable is an understatement, state, I think we will continue to grow and we will continue to thrive. China is reaching hard towards uniformity and peace in the sense that no chaos. This does not provide for good growth. And I think... I think it's a big experiment it's a It's a huge socioeconomic experiment that 100 years from now will be noted carefully in the textbooks. But I think our system has a greater potential for growth, and as a result, I think the Chinese are going to hit a brick wall before too long.
0: And I have a quick correction to make I, and i an apology. I am suffering some migraine um, symptoms, so my words are getting all befuddled, mixed up. Mm. Um, uh, John, as you are correct. I looked at the word Fortune Magazine, and I said the word Forbes. Uh, And Forbes does then go on to make a bunch of its fortune in uh, selling estimates of value. And Fortune is better than Forbes, but it's still a bit more on the uh, tabloid side. than It's much more opinion-based than the Wall Street Journal, except in the opinion section.
1: And if you go back and look at the CEBR, they have... Good short-term forecast. There's a principle in economics that I don't know has ever been, until now, stated as a principle, but it's true. And that is economic forecasting, solid economic forecasting, like you're seeing in this article, tends to be fairly accurate out about one or two years. And the accuracy falls to about random at five years. And beyond five years, this is what's really fascinating beyond 5 years
0: it's more likely wrong
1: <laughs> economic forecasting is less economic meaning earnings of corporations uh, gdp of countries whatever beyond 5 years becomes less accurate than random than a random number right which means that anybody that's forecasting 8 years out something's going to happen the mere fact that they're forecasting it means it's not very probable. It's, it is it right. is a less than 50% probability.
0: And to, to people say, why is that? Why is that? They ask all these questions about like when the con- congressional budget office is trying to predict how much revenue comes in and they never get it right. They're just a bunch of, you know, I've heard all kinds of things. It's kind of like trying to predict a hurricane in three years. Okay. Oh, you're you can see where you can run into some issues there. There are a lot of things that change between now and then that are completely unpredictable. Uh, Now, not just a hurricane, but all the hurricanes and where they will be. So this particular story, this article has a graph, and it's a kind of graph that is very, very uh, frowned upon in the financial world, by the way. And that's where you stack the areas on top of each other, kind of like a line graph. Because it always makes the one on top look huge to your eyes, even though it may be almost the same size as the one right below it. I know that's—it's very difficult to uh, talk to about graphs on the radio. Please look at my next slide, as I okay. And on this one, we have nothing because you cannot see it. <laughs> so that's a worse graph than than this stacked area graph, but um. The reality is that they're making predictions about Indonesia being taken by Spain and then flipping overtaken or overtaking Spain and then jumping over Russia, which is going over Australia, and Korea dropping below. This is impossible, impossible to predict, but it sells good magazines. Uh, and the think tank is going to make their predictions based on what they know right now because it does give you some assumptions to work with. A lot of planning has to start with assumptions, because we don't know the future. And if you begin by saying, where is a growing place that I could put business? And you try to predict the areas that are going to grow the most, you can get more accurate than saying they're gonna grow more than another place. But just say high growth, and that's kind of what's happening here. It's really, really, I would just say, impossible to predict what the country order on GDP will be in the future. This is one, you probably know this because I bring this question up a lot on the demographic side, but the vast majority of people in the world, by vast, I mean educated people, do not know the answer to this. When I say what's the most populous country on the planet, almost everybody knows that one. Well, that's China. Well, it's about to be India. Sometime in this year, it will be India. Well, what's the second most? Well, I just gave you that answer, it's India. And this is the one that people don't get. What's the third most populated country on the planet? I get a lot of blank stares, I get a lot of, hmm. do you know?
1: I think it's Indonesia.
0: Nope. This is why it's so crazy. It is okay. like we have a massive blind spot, it's us. We're the third yeah. most populated country on the planet. People don't realize that. That's part of the reason why we became a world power. It's not like our population was more educated than the UK population in the 19th century. It was about the same. In fact, they were a lot more productive. We were spread all over the place, and we were not exactly productive. We were settling things and having lots of babies. Then we became more educated. We became one of the most educated places to be on the planet when you consider size as well as uh, other aspects. We have the best secondary education, the college level, university level. We have by far, and this is not this is not really debatable, the best education system when it comes to universities and colleges. Uh, the only, when ratings are done this, the top 100 only include, top 100 universities in the world for the last decade has only included two countries. And one country absolutely dominates that, though the other country is close to the top as well. And that's the United States and the UK. The United States just has lots and lots and lots of high quality schools and the UK has several, but they're much smaller than we are. They're 10% of the size of us demographically. So just laying that out, China's school system The university system is nowhere near the level of our system. Uh, The innovation, and this is the the Sinovac, the vaccine there that's so ineffective. I mean, they're working on one to kind of replicate what Moderna has done, an RNA-based one. But they're nowhere near that. It's probably a year or two away before they have a, a vaccine that they're willing to give their system. And this is the last piece. I left the seed in my original beginning talk about demographics unless sickness hits. What's happening in Hong Kong right now is really not good. The Hong Kong system is overrun with COVID. They have been lockdown mode, lockdown mode, lockdown mode, images of hospitals with beds surrounding the hospital full of people are on the Wall Street Journal right now. Uh, Hong Kong doctors saying we're we get overwhelmed, whelmed in a bad flu season, and the fact that their medical staff have mandatory quarantine when exposed of two weeks. Think how you how do you how do you deal with that? You're gonna get exposed if you're in medicine. So this is another thing they could get hit a lot harder than we did. In some ways, in China, as far as the economic side, because their answer is total lockdown as soon as there's an infection in the area. That could have a long term effect on Chinese econ- economic futures.
1: I'd like one last comment on the China question before we break for commercials.
0: Wow, it, we're almost at the of, end of the hour.
1: If you, instead of China on that chart, you put Chinese. Right. I might agree with the chart. And the reason I say that is, and this is the key, I think, to the fact that China will not likely dominate the world or have the largest GDP. There are a tremendous number of people who are very intelligent, who are working very, very hard to get out of China. Yeah, And a lot of them want to come to the United States. So when the cream of the crop of a country, the the, the most intelligent, the most innovative, the most creative people in a country want out and they want to go someplace else. This does not bode well for the future of that country. And notably still, the people who leave China primarily want to come to the United States. I know we don't sometimes see it that way. We, we, we denigrate ourselves pretty hard, but that's the reality. And to the degree that we open up to the most brilliant people in China, as, as opposed to trying to fence them out and persecute them, which we have unfortunately done in the recent past, I believe that we will thrive because this is where the United States has traditionally thrived, is the best and most brilliant people in the world um, have a tendency to want to leave places that are dictatorships and come here.
0: All right, we're about out of time. If you'd like to talk to us off the air, we actually do give fiduciary investment advice at the personal wealth coach. Uh, You can go to our webpage, thepersonalwealthcoach.com or tpwc.com. You can phone us as well, 254-947-1111 or 1-800-914-7526. That's 800-914-PLAN on thepersonalwealthcoach.com. You can sign up for our newsletter. You can send us information through the contact form. And you've got uh, lots and lots of podcasts available out there. If you want to listen to the radio program as it was, you can go to our webpage. If you want to hear all the little bite-sized pieces of the podcast, go to any podcast provider. Until next week, this has been The Personal Wealth Coach.